Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 on What About Therapy, where we talk about everything that lies underneath the therapy umbrella. I'm your host, Enoch Fossum. I'm a certified mindfulness life coach, and I'm currently going to school to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. So in this episode, like you saw in the heading, we have the one and only Austin Ivy back on the show, and I am so excited to have him here. Austin is going to dive deep into bad behaviors and where they really come from, where they stem from, and then how we can stop that spiral down into the bad behavior and really switch it into a better behavior when we really understand the core of where the behavior is coming from. So all that coming up next on What About Therapy, and I'm hope you're, I hope you're as excited as I am because this is going to be awesome. All right, everybody, like you saw in the heading of the video, I guess, and in the intro, you already know that I'm here with my boy, Austin Ivy. Good to be back. We need to have like a, put some symbols in there. <laughs> Austin <laughs> Ivy or something like that. Some Good fanfare. Yeah. yeah, some cool <laughs> beats. But uh, so what are we talking about today, Austin? Well, today we're talking about deep unmet needs and how they... Um, apply to relationship behaviors, specifically bad behaviors in a relationship, and how we can manage them, how we can recognize them, and how we can ultimately use the tools that I'm going to be talking about today to make our relationships more more connective, um, easier to communicate, and easier to recognize when you yourself are um, having some bad behaviors due to some unmet needs. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited because we share... Austin sent me his notes for this episode and so I was able to read through it and there's a lot of stuff that I had no idea about granted I have no idea about a lot of stuff same but uh <laughs> I didn't know a lot of the stuff but, that yeah. I in his notes yeah. yeah but I'm really excited I'm really excited to learn um and have Austin here to teach us yeah it's good to be here. so take her away baby yeah um well as we all know um, it's a pretty basic idea that all humans have different types of needs ranging from like the physical body needs other all the way to our mental health needs, physiological needs to psychological needs. Um, and Russian psychologist Abraham Maslow published a paper in 1943 that stated that there are five different levels of human needs um, in five different categories and that each level needs to be sufficiently met before the next level can be focused on or thought about. And um, for those who haven't like don't know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's one of the first things that we learned about in um, my psychology class that I took last semester. Um, the bottom tier, it's kind of like a pyramid. It's a hierarchy, so it's kind of a flow chart. Um, the bottom of the pyramid in this first level is physiological needs. And so before you really worry about anything else in your life, for a person to find happiness or joy or anything else, they need to have the basic physiological needs. They need to be... They need to be not starving and not dehydrated. They need to eat. They need to drink. They need those basic sleep. human needs. Yeah, sleep. All that good stuff. Those things that really keep you alive. Um, just above that, more basic needs are safety. So you need a place to live. You need um, financial security. So you can't just be living um, with no money. You need some type of security financially. And so those two things are pretty basic needs that most humans have. So we're probably not going to focus too much of that when it comes to relationship behaviors in this episode. But... Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure all of you know, know how to eat, sleep, and drink, <laughs> and find shelter. For some people, <laughs> yeah. For some people, those might be very real realities. That that's yeah, you um, may struggle with that, but if yeah. you do, I mean, you know, just hit us up. It would love to help. Messages, yeah. <laughs> um, the next two um, levels are really the two that I, like um, I was going to focus on today when it comes to relationship behaviors and um, deep unmet needs. The most unmet needs that most humans have now, especially. In a place like the United States, where poverty is pretty low and people have pretty good lives, the main problems come from these next two tiers. So the third tier, the middle tier on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, is love and belonging. So this is um, relationships, intimate relationships, family relationships, any type of relationships. A person will need to have some type of connection with other human beings to fill that, um, to fulfill that need. And as well as belonging, some type of belonging in a group or a team or some type of I guess you could call it tribe, like going back to a, right. a more ancient times. Humans yeah. have always been in tribes throughout our entire existence. We've always stuck together. So weird side note, but yeah. so Austin and I actually went to Lagoon with our wives for uh, mine and my wife's anniversary last week. 
And while we were waiting in line, we looked up 175 facts, like just weird facts. And one of the facts, or I guess, anyways, it was on Google. It's like different names for groups of people. And one of them was a tribe. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, tribes. I mean, <laughs> super random. Fun but, fact hey, of the day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, so tribes, we've always stuck together in tribes. And now that humans are kind of, especially with social media and other things, humans are kind of isolating and we're not yeah. no longer part of that tribe mentality and it's right. it affects a lot of people and so we need to if we're having mental issues or mental health issues it might be because of that third level of maslow's pyramid um you need some type of belonging and that has a lot to do with um the framework of a bad relationship behavior that we're going to be talking about a little bit later and then above that once you have love and belonging you have a safe place to live you have money you have food water a place to sleep um self-esteem is a is a need that eludes a lot of people that and that could be getting good grades at school, achievements, re- achieving your goals of some type, um, making the starting football team, being the star wrestler, whatever it is, some type of achievement to help boost your self-esteem. And that can only come after all those other needs are met. And it's one of the hardest ones that people struggle with. And it's it can, as we'll learn about later, it can it can cause some pretty serious. I guess you could say bad behaviors in a relationship. It's gonna, it could cause, it could be the the root of a lot of issues in a person's life, mental health issues. Um, the last one is self actualization. Maslow's term for basically a it's almost like nirvana. That was Maslow's like, term for yeah, nirvana. Enlightenment, or yeah, like kind of like ascension, like the peak mm-hmm. kind of of human existence type e- thing. Exactly. That yeah. was that was a term that he he coined, and even he himself kind of stated that it, not a lot of people are going to reach that in their life. They're yeah. going to be struggling mostly with the bottom four tiers, mainly with love and belonging and esteem. That's what most people are going to find themselves dealing with. And to reach self-actualization, um, it's a really rare thing and very few people actually reach it. That's, that's what Maslow's theory was. And so that's not something they're probably going to be talking too much today. Not many people have a deep need for self-actualization. Mainly we'll do another episode on that. Yeah, there could be a whole... How to climb the ladder. How to climb the ladder, yeah, yeah. How to get to that... Somehow get to that self-actualization. Yeah the tip of the pyramid. So these, all these needs, these five different layers or tiers of needs, they can, they can be many different types of things. They can come from many different situations and they can cause a lot of problems if they're not met. And one of Maslow's theories is they argue that the failure to meet any of these needs at any various stages could lead to illness, um, particularly psychiatric illness or some type of mental health issue. Um, individuals where the psych- the physiological needs are not met can they can lead to some type of post-traumatic stress or some type of illness. Of course, if you're not eating right or eating at all, you're going to be sick. Um, but the big thing that we're going to be focusing on today, and of course with this podcast, it's a mental health podcast, it's going to be on the mental health issues and the psychiatric issues, which usually stem from those third and fourth levels of love and belonging and esteem. And so with that framework of understanding what needs are, I want to focus more on how um, these deep deep unmet needs that every human has can relate to a relationship and how it can cause bad behaviors in a relationship. And cool. we're both married and we both know that bad relationships are any, or anyone who's married or any, any type of relationship or friendship. So every human basically in the entire earth who's ever had any type of relationship knows that bad behaviors are inevitable. It's going to happen. Something yeah. is going to come up and bad behaviors will show themselves in a relationship. You might think your spouse is perfect for the first little bit during the honeymoon phase, but... Take off those rose-colored glasses, honey. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't see any problems, I mean, hey, your life could be pretty good, to be honest, but I mean, it's not always going to be that way. Yeah, it happens at some point. Um, In the marriage class that I took, we talked a lot about how um, how bad behaviors present themselves, and it's usually within the first year or two of marriage that couples have the most problems identifying them and working through them communicating with them and so this could particularly help a newlywed couple this is something that really helped me in my relationship like understanding these things um but it could help anyone at any stage in any type of relationship under understanding how bad behaviors stem from unmet needs deep unmet needs it can it really can really help anybody yeah i mean there are couples that have been married for like 20 plus years that still don't know how to communicate, mm-hmm. you know, effectively. And it's not really their, like, it's not like they're to blame. It's just, they don't know mm-hmm. how, you know, or that wasn't, uh, that wasn't, um, like shown to them 
demonstrated to them by their parents, you know, and so they just don't know. And so a lot of people really don't know how to communicate, and that's okay. Like, it's just, you got to first just understand and recognize that you don't have a, you're, you, you're poor at communicating, mm-hmm. or that you have these underlying issues that we're going to talk about here, um, and then just to work on it, you know, and so you're never, you're never too late to the party. You're never too yeah. late to the learning how to communicate gang. So <laughs> yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with it either. There's like, I think the biggest thing, especially with marriages and couples is there's no guidebook for it. Yeah. Like the pastor or whoever it is that marries you the official doesn't hand you a guidebook for communication when, as soon as your the marriage ceremony is over. That's something That'd be cool. that would be great. It's the same thing with like the old <laughs> cliche that there's no parenting book that comes with the child out of the womb. Like you have to learn along the way how to do it. And there's no guidebook because every parent or every relationship is different. Like there's all, all this different, even this framework we're going to be talking about today. It's a general idea of how to communicate and it's a good understanding of how, um, how to better communicate with people and how to understand people's problems and their unmet needs. But, um, the good thing to remember about communication is every, every couple is going to communicate differently because every person is so unique and every and when you have two very unique people, you're going to have a very unique relationship. And so understanding these basic ideas will help you how to implement them into your very unique relationship. And so that would be anything you ever hear in any type of relationship advice, podcast, book, whatever it is, to take that information not at just how it is, but to implement it into things you already do, already know, and how it fits into your relationship. Yeah, so I guess kinda that's, yeah. implement it and twist it the way you want, the yeah. way that it works for you. Yeah, it's just really, it's like a frame, and that's what, um, the things that we're going to be talking about today, it comes from an article, um, BYU-Idaho's website, it's a school that I'm going to right now, BYU-Idaho, they have a website um, dedicated to the major that I'm in, which is marriage and family studies, and the the man who runs the program, uh, he's the president of the major, he wrote this article, and he, uh, he talks about that, and so um, this, he talks about how, like, relationships can every relationship is different. So you need to implement these things according to your relationship. You need to change it. But the, the, because this, a basic framework for bad relationship behavior, it's just a framework you build. It's like the scaffolding you build it, how you need to based off of this general idea. Right. The frame you fill in the frame, however you want, but the frame is basically always going to be the same. Exactly. For the most part. Yeah. That's the thing. There's certain things that work for everybody, but those, that's just the basic, that's the bottom of the pyramid almost, the yeah. bottom of the hierarchy. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, um, as we get, we digress, um, bad behaviors are inevitable. And with imperfect humans, and as anyone knows, relationships are just tough. And so when you have bad, when you have imperfect people with tough relationships in general, relationships are always tough, no matter how good it may seem, you're always going to have some type of bad behavior. And an important distinction to make is we're not talking about like annoying habits we're talking about relationship behaviors and so if you're thinking about how like your spouse or your friend or your roommate forgets to do the dishes or is always forgetting to put the toilet seat down this isn't really going to help much with that or puts the toilet paper facing like (laughs) towards the back so it comes out from the bottom no 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 (laughs) that's a that's an entire (laughs) different episode that's more on uh personality disorders no just kidding (laughs) maybe (laughs) it's always Mm. facing out that is a psychological fact. Um, so yeah, they're not, and we're not talking about annoying behaviors here. We're talking about bad relationship behaviors that negatively affect, negatively affect the ability to connect or communicate in a relationship. So this would be things like nagging, badgering, yelling, micromanaging, withdrawal, stonewalling, or even getting defensive is a really common one. At least that's, that's my bad behavior of choice. I, I stonewall a lot and I, I feel like I get pretty defensive sometimes, um, something that I'm working on. But everyone's different, and that's not all of them. Bad behaviors, um, they come in all shapes and sizes. And bad behaviors like this that I just, these examples that I gave, they always have a source. There's always something deeper, just like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There's always something below it. Um, They always have a source, and that source is what's called a second, it's usually called a secondary emotion. And so... Before going further with the rest of the the framework of bad relationship behaviors, um, I thought I'd take an opportunity to talk about the framework as a whole to kind of put it together and then talk about it as um, individual parts. And so if you can, 
in your mind's eye, I guess, close your eyes unless you're driving, um, <laughs> picture kind of like a, a bullseye. Most people know what a bullseye looks like or to think about the Target logo. Um, in the middle, there's a circle. It's the very center of the hierarchy, the very the bottom level. Um, that would be those deep unmet needs, um, which can be anything from security, love or connection. So thinking about, again, that hierarchy of needs. We have security, love and connection, autonomy, respect and fairness, growth or progress. We have competence or acceptance. And so the thing about that in the, the, uh, the light of a relationship, you need love and connection from your spouse. You need autonomy from your spouse. Some people feel like they're, they, they're too codependent on their spouse and they feel like they need autonomy, um, respect and fairness, growth and progress in the relationship. So these needs that people have in relationships or just as individuals. So that's the very center of the bullseye, this, the, the bottom of the hierarchy, the bottom of the pyramid, which stems into the next two layers of the bullseye, which right outside the deep unmet needs are primary emotions. And the next layer outside of that is secondary emotions, which we'll talk about here in a second, what those are, how to recognize them and how they play into bad behaviors. And on the outside of the, the last layer of the framework or the bullseye, I guess the, the wall that the bullseye is hanging on are all the bad behaviors. And so to work it backwards, a bad behavior is, is a reaction of a secondary emotion. A secondary emotion is a reaction from a primary emotion and a primary emotion is felt because of a deep unmet need. There's a reason. So that's kind of the flow that we'll talk about to keep that in mind as we're talking about these things. And so again, going back to bad behaviors, it stems from a secondary emotion, which stems from a primary emotion. We'll kind of work backwards from there. So a primary emotion. Some people might have heard about that before. It's kind of a buzz term in psychology. You learn about it a lot in psychology classes. Um, you hear about it a lot in relationship marriage skills classes, at least in every marriage skills class that I've taken so far. In my schooling, we talk about primary emotions and secondary emotions because mm -hmm. understanding them is very important in understanding how to control your emotions. So a primary emotion um, is kind of what it sounds like. It's in the name. It's, it's initial feelings that we get based off of a stimulus. They're out of our control and they're totally normal and okay to feel. They're things that we feel that are kind of out of our control. And some examples of a primary emotion are feelings of hurt or fear or shame, disappointment, loneliness, um, even just sadness in general is a primary emotion. So those feelings that we feel that we don't have control over, if we, like if let's say the something happens in your life, the stimulus is you lose a loved one, you lose your grandma, the primary emotion from that is going to be probably sadness or even loneliness if you were close to them. These are feelings that you can't control and they're very normal to feel. They're actually good to feel. Right. It, it shows that you're human if you're feeling a primary emotion. These are very healthy and happy. Well, not always happy, but they're very helpful things to feel. Yeah. Especially if you can really focus on what you're feeling and recognize what it is. That's a whole totally different thing. And then controlling your behaviors. Um, I heard this uh, quote once. I think I was in church. Um, but uh, this person, they were, I don't know if they were a therapist or like a psychologist. I don't know. But they said, someone asked a question. They said, how do you know if you're really like happy and healthy? And the person said, you have a range of emotions. You have a range of feelings, you know, because if you're always happy, that's, that's not normal, mm -hmm. honestly. Like, I mean, it'd be great, you know, if you're always happy, but that's not life. That's yeah. not normal. And so like Austin was saying how it's, it's really the inevitable, like you're going to feel different things, but that's okay. That's life. That's mm -hmm. normal. And it is healthy. It is healthy to feel sad, you know, or to feel uh, bad for something you did or, or whatever, you know, it's you just know it's normal and it's healthy. So, yeah, it's, especially when it, when it comes to, um, a lot of therapists will prescribe a, a mindfulness practice for anxiety disorders and other depressive disorders. And that really focuses on, um, being mindful or aware of what you're feeling in your primary emotions. And so if you're feeling sad, it's to really let yourself feel sad. I was actually reading up on this last night, preparing for this podcast that, um, for a person who finds themselves too much in their secondary emotions, which we'll talk about in a minute, which are things can be anger, it can be embarrassment or shame, guilt, things like that. A person who is often in those things, it'll cause a lot of anxiety and anxiety itself is a secondary emotion. And so, um, being mindful and staying in a primary emotion is a very healthy thing. Like, 
it may sound weird, but crying is actually a really healthy practice. It's what a lot of therapists can describe or prescribe to do for someone who um, is feeling hurt or, or, uh, or disappointment or loneliness because it, it shows that you're letting those feelings out in a really healthy way. That's what crying's for. Exactly. Come yeah. on, you guys. If you don't cry, you got to cry. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I, I, I thought about that a while ago. Like, why do we cry? But it's really just an emotional release. Like, that's mm-hmm. why it was created. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Like, There's no other use for it besides yeah. a release. Yeah. Really? It's just because, I mean, you're literally releasing tears from your face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're literally releasing stuff. Every so, teardrop is a... Yeah, is every a... <laughs> teardrop has got some emotion in it. Yeah, you some, know, some so. emotions that really need to get out. They can't just stay inside. And I myself have a really big problem of keeping those primary emotions inside, not staying in them and moving on to secondary emotions. But it's good to feel those things and to show them and to, to stay in them. Because no one wants to feel disappointment. No one wants to feel loneliness. But it's better than the alternative of uh, and moving on to a secondary emotion. And the thing is that a problem a lot of people have with primary emotions is it's a very quick feeling. If a person, I mean, choosing one of these examples of, of fear, a person feels fear for a very short amount of time, but it that primary emotion is usually ignored or neglected because it is very quickly shrouded by a secondary emotion. And that secondary emotion takes over really quickly. And it, it is in a way a choice to feel those secondary emotions, which is an entire different subject, a different topic, but so here's a like here's a quick example. If Austin were to stand up right now, we're in the same room. So if we stood up and punched me in the face, my primary emotion would be, "Ouch, that hurt." hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but then I would immediately go to, "Now I'm pissed off at Austin. I am so angry," and I would ignore the feeling in my face because I'd be so angry, and that's all I would talk about. That's all I would say. I wouldn't say to people, "Austin punched me, and it really hurt me." I would say, what? What a jerk. He Austin punched me. punched me and it made me really, really mad. <laughs> it made and me so mad. I punched him back, you know? yeah. which is back to the bad behavior. That's not yeah. a very good relationship behavior. Yeah, like how um, many times do you say hear someone say, he punched me and yeah, yep, that was fine. I mean, it hurt for a little bit. They usually say, <laughs> he punched me and, and I was mad at him. You know, there's always kind of that secondary emotion tied mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, it's so. not. It's not that it just hurt. It's always that it made me mad or some type of secondary emotion. Yeah, um, and it's it's good to note that anger can be a primary emotion. There's some things that happen in life that we can't control, but feeling angry. There's a lot of things in yeah. life that a lot like a lot of the reading that I did. Um, some people said that anger was a primary emotion. Some articles said that anger is only a secondary emotion. It only comes from a pri- it stems from as a reaction of a primary emotion, and others said that it's very transient that anger can move back and forth, but it's important to realize that um, primary emotions or secondary emotions are a reaction of a primary emotion and we do have control over it. It's just not very easy, especially when you're getting right. punched in the face. Or, yeah, yeah. But the other things that that's what therapy is for, that's what a therapist will help you do, especially when they're using this type of framework because this there is a modality of therapy where um, it's it stems from mindfulness practice of I'm learning how to cope with primary and secondary emotions. It's usually used for um, anger management is this understanding of primary and secondary emotions. And um, it's it's not only just for relationship things, this framework of, of primary emotions, secondary emotions and needs, it can be used for a lot of things. But I guess moving on from the primary emotions, how it's a secondary emotions are a reaction of a primary emotion. Um, kind of how Enoch was describing, we, we feel hurt or fear which are normal things to feel like if you get punched in the face, it's not normal just to pretend like that didn't happen. Like, I mean, if it didn't hurt, you got to go like to the UFC or something. And, yeah. You, know, you have something else there. <laughs> you have a, you have a, you have a future there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so unless you're a, a, a crazy person and you feel hurt or fear, like everyone feels these primary emotions, um, they're normal and helpful. It's good to feel hurt because it prevents you from getting in that hurtful situation again. Same thing with, other primary emotions, it's good to feel them so you don't um, return to them or like the same situation, things like that. Um, but like I said, it's not easy to not react to primary emotions. And that's when we start to feel that anger or anxiety because of different primary emotions, which then turns into a bad relationship behavior. So working that back again, um, we're going to go back to the needs in a minute. Um, but the primary emotion, something happens, some type of stimulus, which would be a need. Um, you, you feel hurt because of that. 
that hurt leads you to feel angry and that anger causes you to display some type of bad behavior. And so I'm hoping no one listening to this is getting punched or punching people. Um, I wanted to choose more of a applicable behavior and work it back and find how that could be some type of deep unmet need. And so I, I wanted to choose a couple of these and work it back. Um, but I feel like for me, at least one of the most important bad relationship behaviors that I would want to work on myself would be probably, um, withdrawal. I've, I've always been a kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. It's for men, it's a very common thing to just withdraw from a situation that they don't like because it's, it's easy. And there's some contention there. Like I'm out of here. Yeah. And and it's, it feels okay and it feels helpful, but in the end of the day, usually it just shoves the problem underneath the rug and it gets worse and it comes back later on. Right. Not working on communication at all. Exactly. So we have a bad behavior withdrawal. Any man listening to this or a woman, like every, it's everyone does with everyone withdrawals from situations they don't like or don't want to be in. And so that's the bad behavior. I'd say there's a husband out there that has a problem with withdrawal when it comes to situations they don't like. And that could be probably, if I were to guess, for me when I withdraw from situations, it's usually because of anxiety. I feel anxious in a situation. I don't want to feel anxious anymore. So I, how do I get out? I get out of the situation. I withdraw. Right. If I'm in a, a conversation with my wife and it's a kind of a disagreement... I, I usually feel anxious. I don't feel angry very often. My right. secondary emotion of choice is usually anxiety. Yeah. And so to get out of that, I'll withdraw either literally I'll walk away or um, kind of withdraw emotionally or just stop yeah. listening. It, yeah. It's not something I try to do often, but it's something that I am guilty of. I don't think it's that you tried to. It's just kind yeah. of, it's just, you know, from your past experiences and stuff, it's just kind of your go-to thing, you know, yeah. because it's whether that's protected you in the past or what. But like that's just kind of been a pattern, and so it's not that you want to yeah. withdraw. It's just that it's kind of your go-to thing. Yeah, and that's same for me. Yeah, so, yeah. It's pretty. From what I've learned in the marriage classes I've taken, withdrawal is a pretty common thing for men. It's just it's easier, and it's um, usually stems from anxiety. At least for me, it does. But we know that secondary that anxiety is a secondary emotion, so that's not that's a reaction to a primary emotion. And for me, as I've thought about it. Um, I usually, I usually fear, fear I, I feel fear in those situations, fear of that I'm going to say something wrong or I'm going to do something wrong. I'm going to hurt her feelings by saying something wrong or doing something stupid. Um, and so I feel fear for the, for the relationship itself that I'm going to do something wrong. And that's totally okay. I think that especially in that we have, a, we've only been married less than a year. Our anniversary is in October. And so we're still learning how to communicate. And so I, I feel fear at times when I, when we get into a discussion that's a little bit contentious. And so that fear leads to anxiety, and that anxiety leads to withdrawal. And so for anyone out there, this isn't just me. Um, withdrawal to anxiety, anxiety to fear. Fear isn't the end of the road. That stems from some type of deep, unmet need. And it's di- that need ca- is different for everybody, but in this situation, I've tried to work it through myself. Um, it's it, For me, it comes from security in the relationship. At least I've tried to I try to work this through in my mind. I've done it a few times for this bad behavior of withdrawal. So working it back, I feel I can feel insecure in a relationship really easily. Like just things in the past, just the kind of person I have. I have an anxiety disorder that's been diagnosed. I, I, I tend to feel insecure every now and then. And so that insecurity leads to that feeling of fear, which is totally normal and okay, which leads to those feelings of anxiety, the physiological symptoms of an increased heart rate and things like that. Instead of just feeling... In, Staying in that fear, I lead that leads to anxiety, and that anxiety leads to me just picking up my bags and walking away because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to deal with it because it's too scary for me to to deal with that contention. I've been a very non-confrontational person my whole life, and so that's kind of the flow chart. That's the that's the hierarchy of how it, um, of how the bad relationship framework works. Bad a bad relation a bad behavior leads to is stems from a secondary emotion which is a reaction to a primary emotion, which is stimulated by some type of deep unmet need. Yeah. And you guys can uh, look at this chart as well. I'm going to put this link in the show notes. Then you'll just scroll down. So it's the link to the entire article, but this uh, chart is in the article. And so you just scroll down, you'll see it. And it's kind of fun just to go through if you can see like any of these bad behaviors that you've had in the past or that you currently have, you can go back and kind of you know, try and map out kind of where you're at. Yeah. That. So try cool. to, that's one of the things we'll talk about in a minute of how to, um, 
things we can do about bad behaviors is um, mapping out, like try to work back your own unmet needs. Like I felt this before. Why is that? Like what are the things that I felt? And this this flowchart, this framework is really helpful. Um, the article itself, the link will be in the description, like Enoch said. Um, it's really helpful. There's also a video that describes it in a little bit better de be detail because the person who wrote it is an actual licensed marriage and family therapist. He's a professor at my university. Very smart man. Um, and the video is very it's very helpful. It helped me understand it really well. And so the last thing I want to do before going over the the things we can do to make this better or to work on it is I wanted to work it backwards a little bit more, go to a need to a bad behavior. And so maybe maybe you could choose a, a need that you think is pretty, a pretty common need and we can work from there, like what that would look like. Sort of from the center out? Yeah, so from the center out, choosing okay, one okay. of those needs that you feel like is pretty common that we could yeah. give an example of. Cool. Probably, let's go with acceptance. Acceptance. So acceptance yeah. in a relationship from your, not feeling judged from your partner, I guess, or... Yeah, just and even not like... A, because I don't know how many of you guys listening are married, but this goes with any relationship. Like if you don't feel accepted, like whether you're in high school or, I mean, college, you know, anything at work, if you don't feel accepted by just kind of people around you in general, we can do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this can, acceptance can apply to so much more than just a marriage. Yes. Yeah, so right. Cool. Acceptance uh, yeah. will lead to what primary emotion, would you say? So lack of acceptance. Lack of acceptance. Yeah. You need to feel accepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably a lot of these in here, if not, I mean, maybe not fear. Yeah. But, you know, that could hurt you. Maybe not physically. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but hurt you emotionally. Yeah. And you may feel shamed, you know, like, why doesn't anybody accept like, me? What's wrong with me? What what's can I do? What's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> so is, uh, yeah am exactly. I just annoying? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. yeah. And probably the biggest one would probably be loneliness, you know. I think if, that would be If probably... you're not accepted, then I mean... You'll, you'll probably feel lonely. I would, yeah, I would say so, yeah. So a person who doesn't feel accepted is going to naturally and quite normally feel lonely. Yeah. That, that's okay. And that loneliness will probably lead to feelings of anxiety. Um, if you don't just stay in that loneliness and you move, like, and you let that secondary emotion take over, you're probably going to feel anxious. And um, another secondary emotion that's not on this um, framework that's on the website um, is embarrassment. You might feel a little bit embarrassed mm -hmm. that... Um, yeah that no one is accepting you for who you are. You might feel a little bit of, a little bit of um, guilt almost for who you are, for yeah. not being the way that you want to be. Like I or should be some other way. Exactly. You yeah. should all over yourself. <laughs> should everywhere. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No one likes to be shit on. That's right. <laughs> so you feel, so you don't feel accepted, so therefore you feel lonely, and therefore you're feeling anxious and probably a little bit um, guilty or even embarrassed because of that which could lead to all types of different types of bad behaviors. But uh, from this, probably um, some withdrawal. Like one thing that depressed people tend to do or people that are feeling kind of um, separated from other people, that'll, that separation from people can lead to depression. And then you have a positive feedback loop where that depression causes you to separate from people even more. And so I, if I were to choose a bad behavior, it'd probably be withdrawal from from people in general. Yeah. As a, as people that don't feel accepted, they withdraw, which causes more depression and more feelings of anxiety, which causes more withdrawal. And yeah, just then the, you're in a downward spiral of depression yeah. and anxiety. And, just a cycle. And with that being said, um, there is ways to, to, to stop that downward spiral, in yourself, but also in other people in the relationships that you're in. Because as you, if you, and when you apply these things, I would hope you would, because it's helped me a lot in my relationship. As you notice these bad relationship behaviors, um, and you work it back through that, to that flow chart of secondary emotions down to needs, um, there's ways to break that spiral and to, to learn how to recognize it in your spouse and in yourself. And on the website that, that, in that article, um, it states five different things that we can do about unmet needs and bad behaviors. And the very first thing out of the five things that, that need to be understood by you and by your spouse and by everyone really is that we can't physically change anyone. There's nothing that we can do to make someone that's called controlling and that's a whole different thing. That's a, that's a really bad relationship behavior in that. It's is narcissism. Very, that's yeah, that's a whole different thing. Whole... Yeah. That's a whole different episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Um, so controlling, you can't control someone to do what you want, but you can influence them, especially in a, in a loving relationship. It's like in a marriage, this is very important. Um, this is something we also learned a lot about in my marriage class from last semester that, um, you can't control what your spouse does, but you can and should have an influence on what they do in a loving and accepting way. A good influence. A good influence yeah. and not something that where you get depressed if they don't choose your to use your advice, but also not prideful when they do choose to do it when you so you start to become more controlling. And so there's a good little middle ground of influence where you give your input, you I guess you point out things that you notice. If you're noticing a bad behavior and your spouse might not notice it, some people don't. I know I didn't really recognize my bad behaviors until I took this class that I was doing these things and that it did stem from an unmet need. Um, and it had primary emotions, secondary emotions, the whole framework, it was in there. Um, and it, for me, the influence was from the class, um, because my wife didn't really know about it quite yet, but, um, we can influence other people. We can have a good influence by sharing opinions when they're solicited and, um, by being respectful and things like that, but we can't have a good amount of influence on other people. It's just good to remember we can't change people. That's always got to be their choice. It's got to be something that they do themselves. So that's number one. Um, the number two would be to respond to the need and not the bad behavior. And this is the cliche of treating the sickness and not the symptoms. Mm-hmm. If you have a if you have a broken arm, just taking ibuprofen or some type of painkiller is not going to solve the problem. It will might solve the symptom of pain, but you need to solve the symptom of a broken arm by getting a reset and putting a cast on. It's no different when it comes to mental illnesses um, and bad behavior, specifically what we're talking about. You need to treat the symptom, you need to treat the sickness, which is the need, not the symptom, which is the bad behavior. So yeah, that would, yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, it is like uh, treating addictions and stuff. Like, you don't treat, like, if someone has a pornography addiction, you don't try and treat the pornography itself, like, you know, looking at pornography. Yeah. That's because there's really... a, a need that's mm-hmm. not being met, you know, and so they're using that to cope with that hope that makes sense exactly yeah yeah. the bad behavior is the coping mechanism basically yeah or or a defense mechanism in this situation it's more of a defense mechanism but in other situations like addictions yeah it's a coping mechanism for someone who has really bad anxiety or depression they're gonna they might turn to substance abuse or self-medicating um that's not treating the the symptom will help treating the self-medication like or the alcohol abuse whatever it is will help but they have a deeper issue there and it's the same problem if your spouse is criticizing you or badgering you or yelling at you. You don't treat the yelling by saying, use your indoor voice. <laughs> you treat the the need. You find out you go through that flow chart by talking to them and influencing them, trying to figure out what that need is and then meet that need. So treating the symptom or treating the sickness and not the symptom. That's the, for me, that was the biggest, that biggest help to me. That number, number two is the biggest help to me is, um, always recognizing that the need will fix the treating the need will fix the bad behavior. Yeah. It's like when someone could be your wife or your friend or your parents, when they just randomly walk into the room and they start yelling at you, you're like, Whoa, Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, yelling back and then starting an argument, you could say, just talk to them. You're like, what's going on? Yeah. You know, like, how's your day been? And come to find out they've just been really overwhelmed or they feel like, you have been ignoring them and you, you know, may not even be aware of it. And that's yeah. not necessarily your fault. It's just that you weren't aware of it. Yeah. So like yeah. now, yeah. With this framework in mind now, if there is some type of bad behavior, we're kind of stuck on the yelling one. If your wife yells at you, your, your dad yells at you, your co your boss or coworker yells at you, um, take that opportunity to figure out what the, the secondary emotion is. Are they, are they angry at you? Are they anxious in general? And so that's just a, that was they burst because they were anxious or depressed, um, and so it was now you now they know that say they were angry. You work that back like, well, why are you angry? Like, what happened? Like, what are you feeling? They yeah. they could feel hurt or fear. They could feel lonely, and that like any any primary emotion can turn into any bad behavior, like based okay. off of a person and their their unique life that they've lived. And now that you know what the primary emotion is, you know that they're they're hurt. Or they're they're fearful. You can then work that more through communication and talking, just getting to the root of the problem. You can figure out that they have a connection issue and they need to feel more connected to you or 
like in a, in a marriage, like they need to feel more connected to you. And so therefore you solve that problem with a goal of doing more things together or yeah, that's just, that's just an easy example, but that's kind of how you can work it backwards. You figure out what that relationship problem is and it really comes down to communication. Like you said, you just need to right. talk to them and figure out yeah. what it is and then keep working backwards until you get to that little, that the nougat in the middle of the candy yeah, bar. Like you need to core. get, yeah, you need to yeah. get to the, the core of the earth. You need to get through the crust and go to the core and figure out what that problem is. And once that, that need is met, theoretically the the bad behaviors will either stop or lessen and lessen and the relationship will get better yeah and doing that i mean you know just like going to the center of the earth it can get hot you know it can can get tough man yeah you know going through the uh, different layers of the earth and getting to that core it can be it can be some work but once you get there it's like ah Mm -hmm. okay yeah i don't know if the center of the earth is like cool or hot i'm not I gonna guess go we don't there, even but... know yet <laughs> this isn't a geo- geology but, podcast yeah yeah, yeah. actually um, this next semester i'm taking oceanography so oh, wow. if i learn anything i'll let you know we'll update the podcast <laughs> yeah that's a but, good point yeah. though you might even bounce back to the bad behaviors when you're trying to work through you might be in the primary emotion part of the conversation something could go wrong and you bounce back to the bad behavior and you start yelling at each other criticizing each other again but just don't give up until you find that need yeah and so the third thing is is this is a, my, one of my favorites, actually, um, principle-based wise, is identify the things you should stop doing and apog- apologize for doing those things and strive to be better. So basically, look inward before you look outward. You got to mm-hmm. figure out what your problems are and try to work on yours before you go to your spouse or your friend or your parent and say, hey, this is what's going on. You got to work on yourself. And from what I've learned, being married not that long, but also the marriage classes that I've taken and all the books that I've read, the studying I've done is that relationships are always a two-way street. Mm. An issue in a relationship, an unmet need or some type of issue or communication problem, it's never just one person's fault. There's always something that you can be doing better and they can be doing better. There are rare occurrences where, like with abuse and things like that, but hopefully no one listening to that, listening right now is in a situation where they're being abused. But like I said, relationships are always a two-way street. There's always something that both parties can do to make things better. And so number three, figure out what you can do better before you turn outward, turn inward before you turn to two sides of the story. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Figure out what unmet needs you have or bad behaviors you're displaying and work it back and figure out how, what you can do to fix it before you start going to your wife and saying, Hey, you're really critical of me. Let's figure out what your unmet need is like, <laughs> and never do that. Never do that. That's a good rule of thumb. Don't go to your wife like that. <laughs> Let it be more natural than that. And I do think that when you do just focus on yourself, and that's kind of the, it was two episodes ago, where we talked about the inside-out paradigm instead of the outside-in paradigm. When you focus on yourself, go inside-out, usually by the time you get there to the outwards, it's either fixed or it's kind of a lot better already. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier to make that change when you do... Uh, like bring it up to your spouse or bring it to the other person, kind of work through it. But when you take time for yourself and you work on that first, then most of the time it it work it. I mean, it always works out better when you do. Yeah, that. you'll be in a better frame of mind. They'll, yeah, yeah, they'll exactly. probably be happier because you're happier. Like it's yeah. just better to work on yourself, and that's with most things. You need to work on yourself before you go to other people. You don't want to have a. I mean, it's the same thing with like physiological needs. You don't want to have like a trainer who's out of shape. Like they need to be in shape for mm-hmm. you to help you get in shape. It's the same situation. Yeah. Um, and so number four kind of links with number three of, but it's more turning outward. It's um, identifying something small and simple that worked, um, that worked on that, that if, sorry, let me read that again. Identify something small and simple that if worked on could contribute to the fulfillment of those deep needs. And so once you figure out something that um, for you, is an issue or you have this behavior or this need, um, identify something you want to work on. Choose a goal, simple, easy goal that if accomplished or worked on even a little bit could resolve or start to resolve that situation or that unmet need or how you react to that unmet need. So it's always the small and simple things when it comes to mental health and when it comes to relationship. It's never the big dramatic things. It's not the big showy date that you take your wife on that fixes everything it's always the small and simple things on the day-to-day that you work on yourself and they work on their their self and that's kind of what this um fourth um suggestion is talking about that choose something small and work on that one thing don't overload yourself and um 
just work on that set a small goal for that thing and once you feel like it's accomplished move on to the next level just like those hierarchy of needs um work on to the next thing it might be another small goal for that need um i'm really big I mean, you could ask my wife she's probably annoyed by it by now but i'm really big on getting out of that downward spiral of depression anxiety or just like bad behavior in your life or whatever it is of just choosing one thing working your tail off at that one thing feeling like you're at a point where you've kind of got a hold on it and then add something else on in on it. It's helped in my life a lot of just choosing these small and simple goals to get that feeling of accomplishment and just looking like single-mindedly at that thing and then just moving on from that. I haven't read it yet, but um, Dr. Jordan Peterson, he's a psychologist. He's written amazing books. He has a book called 12 Rules for Life and he has another book called 12 more rules for life and antidote to chaos so 24 total so we got 24 24 rules um i haven't read this book yet um (laughs) but he has the same idea it's called um when they're trying to get your life out of chaos this rule is called um um aim single-mindedly at a goal and work hard at it so kind of along with that just choose a goal and work hard at it and then once that's met choose another one cool that's like Kind of like going to the gym. I feel like you can relate everything to like physical exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I, anyways, so <laughs> like if you want to squat 400 pounds and all you do is bench press, but you're trying to squat 400 pounds, like you're not going to go anywhere, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's like choosing a goal and doing the complete opposite of that goal and not even working on it. So, you know, if you have a big goal of like anything, you know, running a mile under five minutes squatting 400 benching 400 you have to do that thing over and over and over again until you actually get it Mm -hmm. because i mean that's the only way to do it exactly that's it's yeah it's no different with this framework this relationship model that you need to work on the small things and that eventually will overall especially over the years as you implement it day to day your relationship will just be a lot better and you'll be happier um and that's with any type of relationship any marriage or friendship um, and that kind of goes along with the last, it's ironically the last um, bit of advice that is in this article is that to remember that deep needs are not met in a day, so be patient and persistent. Um, like we've already said, it's we're kind of beaten on a, on a dead horse here, but most deep needs that people have, it's it's a very, they require a lot of constant attention. They're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, if it's a really deep need like attention or... Um, or connection or autonomy that's gonna that's gonna require constant action it's not gonna be like a, a single event where okay i feel connected to my spouse now i'm good for the rest of right. our marriage no that's quick gonna be fix a, secret exactly yeah it's there's nothing quick about it and there's nothing that can be done that's going to solve it for the rest of your marriage it's going to be constant and it's going to evolve the way you connect with your spouse is going to be different as you have kids as you become empty nesters as you become into that retirement age the way your needs are met are going to shift and they're going to change and so it's going to require a lot of attention. So in each stage of your life, in each need that you have is going to be different. And it's always going to require constant and persistent action. And so it's just enduring to the end, I guess, and always staying vigilant of the needs that you have are and the same with your spouse and how those needs are met. And um, that's with anybody in any, any situation. As you get older, the way you go about things change. The way you work out is different just because what you're interested in working out is different. Like you could be like, for me, I was a heavy weightlifter and in, in high school, I was all about powerlifting, but now I'm a little bit older. I'm, I like biking a little bit more and, and other things. And it's no different. Like there's a whole idea of love languages that I'm sure will be talked about at some point on this podcast. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I, me and my wife, we take that love language quiz online all the time because our love language has actually changed over the course of our relationship. And we've only known each other about a year and a half now. Um, but just over the course of the year, my relationship or my love language has changed from like, at first it was really about, um, that physical touch. And, mm-hmm. um, now I feel it's a little bit more about those words of affirmation. And I'm sure another point in my life, it'll be more about physical touch. And that's just an example of how needs change. And so the way we fulfill those needs needs to change as well. We need to be aware of them and, um, be very mindful of the way we're feeling in our relationships. So that way we can know what our needs are so we can actually fulfill them. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. But that's really um, all that I have about unmet needs. Um, it, it really it's pretty easy. Always remembering that every bad behavior stems from some type of unmet need, and in order to fix that bad behavior, you need to fulfill the unmet need. 
and that this again this can be applied to any type of relationship from marriage to friendship to a parent child um it could be really helpful from a, to a from a parent to a child's perspective if your child has some type of bad behavior it's not just because they're a hormonal teenager which isn't helping of course but <laughs> they do have some type of unmet need and so you can work that backwards figuring out what their relationship their behavior is and working it back to what could possibly what what do they need and um it's it's helped me a lot in my life. I have strong feelings towards this framework and I feel like it could help a lot of people if they implement it. So go check out the article, read it. I, I give a brief synopsis of it. Um, the, the person who wrote the article is very smart, man. Um, you could learn a lot from it. There's a good video, like I said, that you can watch and implement it into your life and try to make those relationships more, more firm and connect better with those people that you want to feel connected to. Heck yeah, right on. So yeah, that article will be in the show notes. Uh, there will be a link to it there. So I hope you guys learned a lot. I know I did. Austin is the man. And I feel like in the future, we'll probably be doing more together. Oh yeah. I, I feel it. Absolutely. I feel it. We vibe. We vibe. <laughs> uh, so let's say someone wanted to get in contact with you about anything, let's say past episodes. Or, by the way, he's in episode four, if you guys didn't know. But of course you do, because you listen to this podcast. Thank you. So... <laughs> If they wanted to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Like, what are your tags? Um, probably the best way to reach me would be on email. That's probably I don't get on social media very much. I do have oh, like okay. a more professional email that I use for like school. Um, if you want to reach out and have any questions about this or like are interested in the um, the program that I'm in at school, like I'd love to. I'm a huge advocate for when I'm in at school. But you can reach out to me at Austin, which is just A U S T I N dot I V I V I E. 98 at gmail.com so austin.iv98 at gmail.com and i don't know if um what i'd be able to help with but i'm always willing to help people and point people in the right direction the things that i like to to learn from and this this the resources that i use in my day-to-day life so heck yeah, yeah. reach out if you guys if you want to heck yeah <laughs> yeah awesome cool see i hope you guys learned something new and i challenge you to go throughout this week and kind of pay attention to your day-to-day and see if there are any bad behaviors or anything in your life that you would like to change and work back on it and see if you can find the primary emotion or the unmet need that uh, is kind of driving that behavior. So, alrighty guys, until next time, have a great week. Hey everyone, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please leave a rating and review, that would mean the world to me. That's all I'll be able to reach and help as many people as I can. If you know of anyone that could possibly benefit from this episode or any other one of my episodes, please share it with them. You can also subscribe or follow to be notified when my future episodes come out. So thank you all so much for your support, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.